Well, I just want to echo what my wife said. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Man, this is going to be a good year. I know it. Hey, well, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me uh, to Proverbs chapter uh, 19, please. And we're going to kick it off here. I just want to share some things that were on my heart as uh, we were praying for the church family, as we were praying for the families that are called this place home, or even if you're just guests here, if you're visiting, this is not by accident that you're here. We want to welcome you here. We believe in a God that is a God of purpose, and He doesn't do things just randomly. We believe He has a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for this church family. And uh, that's what I want to share with you, just a few things that have been on my heart uh, as we go into this next year. And I mean, of course, our, our main focus that the Lord gave us is this word, move forward. And that's everything that we're focusing on is we are hungry to continue to move forward. Because how many know that that's the way that God is heading? We're going towards meeting Jesus. Everything about life goes forward. I mean, everybody turns a year older. Everybody, we continue to go that direction. And so how much more even in our mindset and in our relationship with the Lord, we have to continue to move forward and have a fresh relationship with Jesus that's up to date today. Right? It's great that you had an experience with him last year, but we got to have current relationship status with him right now, right? So uh, just a, a word that kind of came with me, and uh, as we were just singing a little bit, it keeps coming up in me. And I'll just, I guess, share just this word with you. Um, but just as what the Lord said to me just yesterday, and just for your own selves, you can kind of take it how it suits you. But for me, he just said this, it matters what you do. And uh, just really, that's been stirring up on the inside of me, especially as we continue to move forward. Uh, in church, move forward towards, as I said, towards meeting the Lord. It matters what we do. And uh, that goes for your private life. That goes for your church life. That goes for, I mean, we, we don't have separate lives. It's your entire life. It matters what you do. And I want to share just a few things with you that the Lord just put on my heart uh, for this morning. And it's just, again, these words I'm going to make, kind of name this sermon or this title, uh, Being in Sync with Him. And uh, I like, anybody enjoy synchronized swimming? No, I think... Okay, I know my crowd, that's why I said it. <laughs> but just that word synchronize or sync, anybody know what to be in sync means? Yeah, we, yes, what? To be in unison, right? Anybody ever seen synchronized swimming? Anybody enjoy it? Yeah, right, there's a few people that enjoy synchronized swimming. And what do we enjoy? Is that they all are in sync with one another. When one jumps, it kind of just, brrr, it kind of goes down the fall. Everybody just jumps in at one point and everybody comes up happy as they come out of the water instead of gasping for air. <laughs> it's amazing to me how they actually do that. Uh, you know, one thing that Jamie and I did when, when we got married, we actually had a synchronized dance. Do you want to see it? I, are you serious? Oh, get up. Oh, oh, girl, come on. One of my goals, when I'm, she's always like, why do you make me, like, you make me nervous when I sit at the front. I, I like that. I like that she always says, like, yeah, my mom always said that when my toes are curled in my shoes, that's Jamie, like, oh, don't say that. I just, you came up. Do you want to demonstrate? Yeah. Not today? I didn't wear dancing shoes. Jamie, it's better to live ready than, <laughs> are you ready? Nah. We had a really cool dance, and I mean, it started off with, you know, you are so beautiful, so we slow dance so nicely, and everybody was like, aw. And then we had, wah, 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 and all of a sudden, we had a whole bunch of different kinds of songs going on. Some from the old school 90s, like NSYNC. <laughs> it's a good name, title for what I'm talking about, eh? NSYNC. Uh, Bashery Boys, Baby Bye Bye Bye, and Chicken Day, all, all those types of things. But basically what it was, one of the greatest, you know, things that came to us after that dance was, you guys were really in sync. And I mean... 
I taught her how to dance, so obviously, right? We spent a lot of time working on that. But that's what the whole thing is, is that they, when they saw Jim and I doing our dance, we were in the same motion with one another. And that's what I want to just share with you this morning, is being in the same motion, in unison, in sync with Jesus as we go into this next year. There is nothing more important, nothing more vital for you in my life to be in sync with him. So I'm going to just lay a quick little foundation, then we're going to get into it a little bit. But why get in sync with Jesus? Why? Why do we want to do this? And the first reason what I want to share with you is because he has the ultimate purpose. God has the ultimate purpose and the plan for you in my life. He's got the ultimate purpose for this church. You know, it says this in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21. It says, you can make many plans. Anybody enjoy making plans? Right? Everybody makes plans, but the Lord's purpose will always prevail. Now, what's the word purpose really mean? It's the original intent. Right? The original intention for why you're here, the original intention for why someone or something is created, it goes back to the original purpose of its meaning. It goes to its very roots of why you're here. So you can make lots of plans, and that's great, but ultimately it's the Lord's original intent that will prevail. So I want to get in sync with Him. I want to move alongside with Him. Right In the Message Bible it says this, We, we humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose, His original intent, always will take over. So again, I want to be in sync with him because I don't want the things that I'm planning to be contradicting to what God's original intent is, right? I want to be in unison with him so that his original intent and my brainstorming, my planning that I'm doing is in unison and is in sync with one another. Does that make sense? Right? That's so why do I want to be in sync with him? Because ultimately it's his plans, his original intent that prevails. Next verse, it says Isaiah 46, verse 10 in the, in the um, Amplified just going to take the first part of it. He says, declaring the end and the result from the beginning. Now, how many know that God, you know, the New Living Bible, it says that he's the God that looks and he sees the, the end from the beginning. God already has the end in mind. Did you know that? God's already gone through this, the life, the stages that we're all living in now. He's already been there, done that. He's already at the end of this age. He knows it all. He knows the beginning from the end. So again, I want to work in unison with him because he's got the plan. The next verse I want to give you before I give you that, but one of the things that you and I, we are not called to create life for ourselves in the meaning we're not supposed to, we're not here to make life happen for ourselves. You're not here to have your own plans. You're not here to come up with your own purpose, find out your own likes and dislikes and, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing. No, it's the Lord. He's got a purpose for you. Now, guess what? What that purpose is, is you, you actually love what your purpose is. He gives you the, the characteristics. He gives you the personality. Everything about you loves what the Lord gives you, right? But you and I, isn't this, this is the good news that you're not here trying to make this life work. Hello, somebody. Maybe, maybe you're in that place this morning where you're like, man, I'm, I'm trying to get this thing going. I'm trying to move it. It's not your job to make this thing happen. Your job is to follow his plan. Thank God for that, right? There, there's, there's good news to that. So in his goodness, you know, Psalm 139, verse 16, I'll prove it to you. It says this, this is the psalmist. He's saying, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was what? Recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed. So God saw you here this morning. He saw us all here together this morning in freezing Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. Isn't that wonderful? He already saw it. 
No, but I just, I, I think if we really understood this, but every day of my life, so does that mean December 31st, it's already been written in his book? Every day of my life has been recorded in his book. Nothing in God's eyes ever catches him by surprise. Nothing ever has, nothing ever will, because it's already been recorded. Every Now, not only is it every day, then he goes into very intimate details, and he says every moment. The moment that you have with people, the moment that you have with him, the special times you have, I mean, that you're celebrating different things. Every moment was already laid out before a single day had even passed. Now, how can I walk with that? I have to be in sync with him. And this is, this is the good plan. This is the good life. This is everything that he's planned, according to what we read in the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11, John 10, 10, all says the same thing, that his plans for us are good. So if we get in sync, in unison with him, what's our life going to be like? Good. I have never met someone who genuinely is serving God have a miserable time. Does that mean that everybody has rough days? Yeah, there's sure there's rough stuff comes up. But when we are in Jesus in the world, everything is okay. Yeah? Okay. So as I said again, I want to reiterate this. We are not called by God to come up with our own plan for this life. And I'm so thankful to that. So I can go to the one who has the plan. And guess what? He will reveal it to me. He wants to show me these things. He wants to reveal it. And in that revealing, now I can step out confidently knowing that I will expect to see what he told me to come to pass in my life. Right? Because he told me. Right? Rather than having, well, I hope that this works, or I, I, this would be great if it did. There's no more of that. It's just, this is what he told me. This is what he revealed to me. So no matter what it looks like out here, I can confidently go forward because this is what he showed me about my life. You know, this is very true. Proverbs 29, 18. We use this scripture a lot in the sense, you know, just for ministry or businesses. Without vision, people perish. But this also goes for your personal life. If there is no vision for your personal life, what happens? You start to perish. Right? People kind of run restraint. So what is God revealing to you? What is he showing you? What is he telling you about, you know, this next year that we're going into? What is he showcasing to you what it's going to look like? Because whatever it is, guess what? It's going to be good, but I want to be in sync with him. I want to be in sync with him. As a church family, we got to get in sync with him, right? Okay. So God, again, has the ultimate purpose. And the second reason why I want to be in sync with Jesus is because God's plan, his purpose is blessed. So rather than me asking God to bless my plans, which he can't and he won't, because it's his plans that are blessed. It's not me asking God to jump on my train. I'm jumping on his train, right? His plans are blessed. Say that with me. His plans are blessed. Not just my own plans that I want to see come to pass. And God, can you do this? God, can you bless this? No, no, no. His plan is the blessed plan. That's what he's focusing on. That's where he's put his blessing. That's where he's put those relationships. That's where he's brought the finances. That's where even the health for your body is. The moment you step out of that, you are free range for the enemy to attack. So we got to be in unison with him. Because when you are walking with him, guess what? You are hands off to the enemy. You cannot be touched, right? I'll give you a couple verses. Psalm 37, verse 24, it says this, The Lord directs the steps of the godly, and I love this, He delights in every detail of their lives. Isn't that awesome? Think about that for a moment. Every moment. So this isn't just the big stuff that happens in your life when you get married, when you got kids, and all that kind of stuff. Every detail of your life has already been watched by Him. He cares about it all. When you got that sweet new car or when you got that nice new pair of jeans, he likes that for you. 
Every detail, every dull, every little small minute detail in your life, he takes great delight in. Isn't that a wonderful father? And that's like, that's extreme. Right? When all of a sudden, you know, ladies, you got a brand new haircut. And you go, I like this. The father goes, yeah, I'm glad you like that. He cares that much. This is pretty intense love. When Jesus said that the very hairs of your head are numbered, it doesn't mean that he just counts them on your head. He actually knows the number of where each one is. So if you pulled one out that goes, oh, that's number 4,300,000, you know, whatever that is. It's not just how many are there. He knows every single detail to them. That is pretty intense. Does your wife or husband love you that way? No, that's just, we, we would call that weird. But this is who our father is. He is madly in love with you and I. So when he says that the Lord directs the steps of the godly, I'm expecting that. You ought to be saying that every morning. The Lord, you're directing my steps today. Because why? You delight in every detail of my life. Every detail. Next, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 through 8. I believe this. I actually, just a couple weeks ago, I got a 25-pound blanket, as I mentioned. And i got to just make mention to you, because, again, I had the best sleep of my night last night because of all this extra weight. I woke up this morning and go, ah, feels like I worked out while I slept. So I'm a little stiff because I have to, you know, move a little bit. And that's kind of heavy when you're not doing anything. But then I woke up, ah. And actually the thought came to me, or maybe it's just the Lord inside me. I'm glad you like that. Oh, yeah. I like this 25-pound blanket. It's wonderful. It's great to me. I can just bundle up. Anyways, that's just a little insight into my cozy life. I really enjoy a good cozy, you know. But Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Again, now this is what the Lord's saying. So again, why do I want to be in sync with Jesus? Number one is because he's got the ultimate plan. Number two is because his plan is blessed. Now, I know we know a lot of these things, but we got to get it synced down on the inside of us because how many of our lives are being lived by us? Now, we're dominating it. Now, we're calling the shots to it. Listen, God gave you all authority to do those things, but again, I want to encourage you not just to be the Lord of your life. Let him be the Lord and you follow him because when you're in that state, it's all good. That's where the good stuff happens. But this is, what, this is what the Lord says in Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. He says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. Now notice, who are these people? These are people at one point, ultimately, they had a relationship with the Lord. Amen. right? They're, it says they turned their hearts away from Him. So what did they do? They took their trust out of someone and they replace it into a mere human being. And what does that mean? I'm, man, whatever they say, I'm acting on that. Whatever they think, I'm, I'm going to take their advice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on ship with them. Whatever they think is best, I'm going to go all out with that. They took their trust. They took their trust away from the Lord and they put it in mere humans. And this is what God is saying. Cursed are those who do that. So it's not like God's angry at you for taking it away. It's that you cannot rely on people to take care of you. <laughs> it's not their job. So then he goes on to say in verse 6, This is what they're like, those that have had their trust in the Lord, but now are depending in government or depending in job or depending in paychecks. He says, they are like stunted shrubs in the desert. Anybody want to be a stunted shrub in the desert? No, thank you. Okay. With no, look at this, no hope for the future. So if you're even just dealing with, man, you seem to be hopeless. Let me just challenge you and say, where is your trust? Because when your trust is full in the Lord, you'll see that hope is automatic. But if you're finding yourself to be hopeless in any kind of situation it is, could be relationship, could be financial, could be health-wise, whatever it is, I want to ask you, where is your trust? Where have you put your trust? Because he says here, with no hope for the future, they will live in the barren wilderness 
in an uninhabited salty land. And that does not sound fun. No, thank you. But notice the next verse. But blessed. Everybody say, but blessed. This is where we want to be, right? Now, this isn't just by default that this happens. You have to intentionally do this. But blessed are those who... Notice this. Trust. What is trust? It's I'm throwing all my eggs in his basket. I'm trusting completely on him. I'm going, what did he say? Okay, that's what I'm going to do. What did he think about it? Okay, that's what I'm going to go with. You're completely throwing yourself at the trust. You're throwing your trust exactly on Jesus, depending entirely on him. I'm trusting the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. You have to make the Lord this. You've got to make him that way. Just because you're a born-again Christian does not mean that automatically your confidence and your hope is resting in him today. You have to intentionally, on purpose, set this. This is who he is to me. This is who I am in him. And set it. Right? Then he goes on to say, they are like, now notice what these people are like. They are like trees planted along a riverbank. Anybody want to be a tree? Hey, I'll, I'll be this over a stunted shrub any day. <laughs> they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. What does that mean? Times of famine. Or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So look at that. There's, there's only two options. There's trust in people or there is trust in God. The option is yours, but you automatically, you have to set where you're putting your trust. So I want to encourage you today. Where is your trust? Are you so dependent on your job that it's taken it away your joy? You all of a sudden have no hope. There's no expectation for the future. You're frustrated. You're angry. You're bitter. There's resentment. All those things come up. Why? Because my trust has been placed in people. But on the other hand, are you free? Are you joyful? Are you expectant? Are you filled of love and life and excitement about what's going to happen? That automatically shows where your trust is. You know, the psalmist said this in Psalm 5, verse 10. He says, those that take their refuge in the Lord, they rejoice. So how do you know people are trusting God? Is there something already automatic about them? They're, tr- they're, they're joyful people. You, they can't help but just, woo, praise God. They're just excited people. But what is it different about them? Is their trust is in the Lord. So why do I want to be in sync with Jesus? Number one is he's the one with the plan. Number two, his plan is already blessed. I can't go under. I can't be defeated. I can't lose when I'm following his plan for my life. Why? Because he is the ultimate champion. And what does he want to do out of you and I? Make us champions. Cool? Okay. Now, just uh, one thing I also want to make mention in this. You know, Proverbs 16, 18. But this, is, this came back up to me as we were praying yesterday. And this, this phrase, it goes like this. Pride assumes, humility asks. A lot of times it's so easy to kind of think, okay, uh, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is what it's going to look like. This is what I'm going to have. Pride assumes that this is what's going to take place. Pride already makes assumptions that this is what God's going to have for me. This is what I'm going to get. This is what I'm going to take place. Rather than humility actually takes the time to ask the Lord. Because yes, God's got a lot of promises for us. And yeah, you claim those promises. But what I've been, again, this is... For me right now, this is something that's brewing on the inside of me that I'm starting to learn for myself is I need to, rather than just assume things, I mean, let's just say healing, for example. 
I've been learning this for our, our own family. Rather than just assuming that I take 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I'm healed. Rather than just taking that and go, yeah, that's it, that's it. I'm actually going to ask the Lord and I'm going to inquire of him what he says about this situation. Because listen, you can't get healing apart from a relationship with him. People are trying to do all these types of things and pull this lever and, you know, grab that scripture and throw it on there. No, pride assumes, but humility asks. So I'm going to spend some time just asking the Lord a little bit about it. Lord, what about this situation? And I'm not going to go much deeper in that because this is something the Lord's just been dealing with me a little bit about, is I need you to start asking more. Rather than just assuming all this is going to take place, ask me. So pride assumes, humility asks. And I'll just give you a couple of verses. Pride goes before destruction. So before the fall takes place, what happens? Pride. Yeah. Right? There's, oh, I got this. Oh, that's mine. I, I got no problem here. That's what happens first and then the destruction. And he says, in haughtiness before a fall. We're on the other side. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Listen to these words again. Now trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Then he says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Oh, sorry. Seek the, sorry, that's the wrong verse. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Rather than just assuming this is the path I'm going to take, no, Lord, I'm going to ask you about this. I'm seeking you on this. I'm inquiring of you on this. What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? And it says, he's going to show me the path to take. In the last verse, Proverbs 16, 3, it says, commit your actions to the Lord. So, Lord, I'm committing this to you, and your plans will succeed. Because when you open it up, when I commit my, these actions to him, now the moment that I say, okay, Lord, I'm thinking about doing this. This is the plan that I'm doing. The moment you open up and ask that, that question or reveal that to him, now he's got access to make changes to it if necessary. Rather than just say, this is the plan I'm going to do and not even inquire of the Lord, now he can't get to you. Remember, he is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to jump in on there and say, no, 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 I don't, I don't want you doing that. He will let you go. That's complete love is you've got complete freedom to do with your life however you want to do it. But when I commit my actions to the Lord, say, Lord, this is what I'm expecting. This is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm believing for. Then the Lord has gotten able to get to me and make a few tweaks in, my, in some of my actions that I want to take. And what happens, they will succeed. Wow. Why? Because now he's got access to them. Right? Okay. Is this all making sense? So now we just talked about why getting in sync with Jesus. Now, how do I get in sync with Jesus? So we know the reason why. What are the reasons why? Who has the plan? He has the ultimate plan. This is a, uh, maybe not for you, but this was a kind of a big aha thing for me. He's the one with all the plans. You know, it even says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, like this is, you know, it talks about what, what God had planned to use through Christ. And he says, and this is the plan. That one day, everything in heaven, everything on earth will be united in Christ Jesus. That's the ultimate plan that we're going towards. So he's the one with the plan. Rather than me trying to be God and envisioning all these things, Lord, what do you have specifically designed for me? Okay, I take it, I see it, got it. He's the man with the plan, and number two, his plan is blessed. So now I'm going into the next part. How do now I get in sync with Jesus? If this is so vital, if I'm looking at this going, okay, it's vital that I be in union with him. It's vital that I be closely connected to him. How do I do this? Are you ready? Okay. 
Getting in sync with Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 and 30. I want to just show you this from the Passion Bible. It says this, Jesus exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth, and you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are... Okay. And wise in their own eyes. Instead, you have shared it. What is he talking about? He has shared his what? The great revelation of his authority, the great revelation of who you are in him and who he is in you. He has shared, he has shared it with these people who... So can we say it like this? Those who ask, who inquire of him. But what has he not done? He has not shared these plans with those who are proud. Those who already assume that this is the way it's supposed to be. But what does they do? He reveals it to those who ask. Anyways, that's just kind of fun that I just see that clip. That just proves that I'm right. <laughs> no, that doesn't mean that I'm right. What the Lord shared with me. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> it says, yes, Father, your plan delights your heart. Notice this. Yes, Father, whose plan? His plan. His plan delights his heart. <laughs> oh, the Lord delights my plan. No, he doesn't. He doesn't delight in your plan. He delights in his plan. This is so big for the Christian world. He delights in his plan, not your plan of whatever you want to do. His plan is blessed. As you've chosen this way to extend your kingdom, how is he going to extend his kingdom? With your plans? His plans. Now this is, a, before I go on and read this, this has become a, something that I've written down for myself, but an act of my will, and I, I say this to myself, I want to work with God in helping him get his purpose established in this earth. Whatever my task is, and wherever my task may be, my life is a vessel for his purposes to get accomplished. That's all that it is. I'm not here to fulfill an agenda that I have on my own. I'm not here to fulfill and make something you know, that ought not to be mine. I'm here to be a vessel for his purposes that he needs accomplished in this earth to get done. Who can God use? Can he use people that have that heart? Yeah. Anybody else want to jump on this train with me? This is what I want. This is what I want my life to be. I'm not here to just make this ministry gigantic. That's not the purpose behind this. The purpose is I want to fulfill what he asks me and what he tells me to do. Whatever he asks me to do, if he asks me to wash cars for the rest of my time, that's what I would be doing. Come on, somebody. So don't ever think that what the Lord asks me to do is too small. There is nothing small in God's eyes. Someone, listen, there is nothing small in God's eyes. If he asks somebody to do it, guess what? It is a big deal. <laughs> and it's there to bless somebody. So whatever my task is, and the next thing is, wherever my task is, I am willing to do it with a happy heart. And so far, it's Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. Bring it on. And this is the best spot. Okay. You know, it, really, it really is. Because, you know, Jamie and I, we, I'll just tell you this. We had an opportunity to move to New York City. There was a job offer that came up, and we're like, oh, yeah, to New York, the Big Apple. And I, I really like that city. There's my, you know, basketball team that I really enjoy. There's just lots there. And when that job offer came up, oh, yeah, we came home, and there was just something, no. No, Lord, let's just, let's just talk about this again. The Big Apple, New York. New York, New York, Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. I can look at Brooklyn Bridges. Look at all this. And even talking to the Lord about that, remember, Jamie and I, we came back and said, that's, we're called to be here in Red Deer. Yeah, that's, that just seems right. And you know what? Rather than, huh, we followed the plan of God. Here we are, Red Deer. And New York is a great place to visit. 
<laughs> right? But you have to follow. Again, what's the plan? So he goes on to say, yes, Father, your plan delights your heart as you've chosen this way to extend your kingdom by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. You have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father, and no one fully and intimately knows the Father except the Son, but the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. So then he goes on to say, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Notice this, a man is your oasis for refreshment. Nothing else, he just clearly lays that out. nothing else will be ever be able to satisfy you in any other realm except for him. I am your oasis. Then he says this, these are the words I want you to hear. Simply join your life with mine. Okay, let's say that sentence together. Simply join your life with mine. Okay, I want you just to remember that phrase. Then he says, learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, I am humble, and I am easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. That's what he goes on to say. Can you go to the next verse 30, please? Yeah, there it is. So for all that I require of you will be easy to bear. So what was that phrase again? Simply join your life to mine. Now notice what he does not say. I am joining my life to yours. Jesus never said, I'm going to now take my life and I'm going to hook up with you. I'm going to join with you and be part of you. And I'm going to be all in this. He said, I simply, you join your life with mine. So what does that mean? How do I now get in sync and how do I join my life with Jesus? In this part of here, I want to just share two parts with it with you. Number one is I need to bend my neck to his yoke. So the metaphor of a yoke is that it joins two animals, right? You've seen a yoke. Joins two animals together so that they work as one. What the Lord is saying here, it's not simply work or toil that is the focus here, but it is a complete union with him. See each other completely yoked. I want, do you see that big yoke? Can you see it? I honestly tried looking for one, but I can't find it anywhere. Apparently not many people use those. But there's one of this big yoke, right? Can you see it? Here's a long piece of wood, right? You got two little rope strings. Now I want everybody to see that. Put your head through one. Is your head in it? Yeah. All right. Okay, Jesus is right next to you. Now, where does the problem lie is when I want to do something. <clears throat> and I'm trying to go this way. And meanwhile, the Lord's pulling this way. Who's going to submit? He ain't going your way. He knows your way. That way stinks. It ain't going to work. So what is he saying? Get over here. And now he's saying, now this is where you and I come in. We have to submit to that plan. Okay, I'm going to go this way. <laughs> That's how it has to look. Because, you know, Amos 3.3, it says this, how can two people walk together unless they be in agreement? It's impossible. I don't want the Lord going this way and my plan's going that way. I want to work with him. So if I have to change, if I have to have a new thought pattern, if I have to forgive, if I'm going to have to bend some certain way, I am willing to go, okay, this way. And I'm going to go this way. Can you see what I'm saying? Because this could be a frustration as people are, I want to go this way. Yeah, you may want to, but there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. So the Lord is trying to protect you from that, saying, go this way. And the hardest thing that you and I will have to go through suffering is laying down your own will. 
That's the greatest suffering that the Christian will ever have to face is laying down my own personal will to pick up what he wants me to do. Is it always easy to stay? Is it easy to leave sometimes? Right? A lot of people just jump up. Okay, I'm going to go because it's easier to go this way. The plan of God is not always easiest. It never has been. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go with this yoke because when I go with him, he is going to take care of me. It's his way. Right? We need to understand the lordship of Jesus here a little bit. That's what he's came here to do. Okay? <laughs> so the next thing is, how do I join my life to Jesus? I'm going to bend my neck to his yoke. And the next one is, I am going to love him, and I am going to longingly crave conviction. I know this, is going to be a, this isn't your typical Jesus just loves you type of talk, but I, I want to get a little bit further here with, with all of us. Going to the next level, moving forward, what's it going to take? I'm going to love God. And I'm going to crave his conviction. Glad we're excited about that. Okay. Because, you know, loving God is revealed in my obedience to him and his word. Just because I say, Jesus, I love you, does not prove that I love him. What proves my love for Jesus is my willingness to obey him, whatever he asks me to do. Can I prove that to you? John 14, verse 21 in the Amplified Bible. Jesus said this, The person who has my commandments... And what? And keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And notice this. And I will love him and I will reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. Oh, Jesus just isn't real to me. It just proves that there's no obedience in your life. That's all that it proves. Right? And it's, what is it? Just a quick, quick, quick change. Okay, Lord, I'm willing to obey whatever you ask me to do. What has he told you to do? What has he asked you to do? Because this proves that you and I love him is whatever he asks me to do, I'm going to do it. Right? That's where miracles take place. That's when things start to happen in your life is when you hear what he says and then can carry it out via your action. Cool? Right? He goes on to say in verse 23, the same way as I don't have it on the screen, but he says, those that really love me, we're going to make our home on the inside of him. Woo! Anybody interested in that? Yeah. Now God's, yeah, he's on the inside of you, but now he's real on the inside of you. You're experiencing him continually. Now, I don't know about you, this is a personal goal that I have this year. I want to walk with him more intimately than I ever have before. So what does that mean? That means I'm going to obey him more than I ever have before. I'm going to obey. If I say that way, I'm going to obey. That's the Christian life is a walk of obedience. Yeah. Everyone you see in the Bible, every hero of faith that we talk about, the reason why they were such strong men and women of God is because they knew how to obey the voice of God. And they did it when they didn't feel like it, when it felt awkward, when they had opposition against them. They just said, okay, God. <laughs> right? I remember hearing this from one of the gentlemen that came when we did a transition service. It's my job is to jump and it's his job to make me go through the wall. It's not my job to figure all this out. Whatever he tells me to do, I got to do it. And then the second part to this is I love him, but I'm longing for his conviction. Now, what is conviction? It is not condemnation. What's condemnation? It's that guilty, that shame, that, oh, this, you feel horrible. That is the enemy. Conviction is a tool that the Holy Spirit uses to keep us in sync with the word of God. So anybody ever been convicted before? Right? You'd be walking and the Lord say, man, that attitude stinks. You got you to change that up. 
That what's he wanting to do? He's wanting to draw you closer and closer to you, to himself. So let me encourage you. When the Lord convicts you, don't go, oh man, celebrate it. Everybody say, celebrate conviction. This is one of the greatest things that God gave us. He gave us his spirit to convict you on the inside, to bring you closer to himself. He doesn't convict because he's angry and that's it with you. No, he's doing it because he wants you closer. No, he said, no, we got to change that attitude. Man, well, you know, I want you to start thinking like this. I want you to be more of a generous individual. Give up your time. I want you to start thinking this way. The reason why is he wants to reveal more and more of himself to you. Yeah. Right? Conviction is wonderful. And that's what the Spirit of God came here to do. He's here. The Holy Spirit's here to convict the world of sin. Right? John 16 talks about he's convicting the world of sin. And the sin is that people have not accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior. So do you know how you reach people for Jesus? Is you tell them about Jesus. You don't talk to them about their sin because the Holy Spirit isn't pointing people at sin. He's not saying, you, you did this and you did that. That's wrong and this wrong and that's wrong. Jesus covered sin. He took care of that. So what is the sin then of the world against God? It's not all this sin that we talk about. It's rejecting Jesus. But the moment they now you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, and He's on the inside of you now to make you Christ-like. That's what He's in there for. That's what His desire is, is to make you look more like Him. So that's why He uses the tool called conviction, and it is a glorious thing. Every time you get convicted, oh, don't be talking like that anymore. Go, yeah, I just got convicted. Woo! And what do you do? I'm not going to start saying those things anymore. It's wonderful, because the whole point is He's drawing you close. Man. Okay. Now we're pumped up about that. And the next verse I want you to see is John chapter 15. We're going to read 1 through 8. So getting in sync with Jesus. So how do I join my life to him? I'm going to bend my head to his yoke. I'm going to put my head in the yoke. I'm going to walk with him. What if I don't want to? Well, I am going to learn to want to. Lord, help me be willing to do it. Right? The number two is, I'm going to love him by obeying him, and I'm going to celebrate conviction. I am actually, when you, let's think about this for a moment. Isn't it easier, if you've ever worked with somebody, isn't it nice when somebody comes up to you and say, man, how can I be, how can I do a better job in this? Like, what, what are some areas maybe that you saw in me that I could maybe tweak, or, you know, I could do a little bit differently, or a little bit better? And that person gives you some, you know, a couple of answers, you go, man, thank you for that. Now, what do they do? They're imparting something to you. Let me, honestly, take on the, the attitude of, I enjoy conviction. Because the moment you do that, the Lord has now got free access to, stay, to start speaking to you. Right? Rather than, I don't want conviction. Well, guess what? The Lord won't be dealing with you. What happens? Then you just, okay, just keep going the way you're going. And what happens? You keep getting the same thing that you've been getting. But if you say, Lord, I want this conviction in my life. If there, is there anything in my heart? Is there any mindsets that are holding me back from following your plan? Is there anything in me that's straining relationships out here? I'm willing to change. And from there, watch what the Lord does on the inside of you. He'll just start lightly tapping some things and go, yeah, that needs to change. That, da, 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 da. And the result is you can live free. Ah, this is it. I know. I was expecting four people to run. But we'll... When you put this in practice, you'll be running. Because this, this is a game changer for people's lives right here. Next. Hello. John 15, verse 1-8. It says this. I am the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me 
by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Now again, what is conviction? It's simply pruning. That's what it is, right? You may, be, you may think you're something else right now. Wait till the Lord starts pruning you so that more can be produced. Right? Now we're talking. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me. Say this with me, the first you know, sentence. So you must remain in life union with me. This is what he's demanding. He's asking this of you and I. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. You cannot expect anything in your Christian life. You can't expect any power in your life manifested if there is no remaining in connection with him. It is impossible. Somebody say impossible. impossible. What does that mean? It can't be done. So a lot of times people just ask, man, just, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw this prayer at that. And, you know, Lord, I need this prayer. With this. God is not some kind of genie that just, you know, we rub wishes with. He is a relationship God. This is what he wants. He doesn't just randomly spoof and do things. He wants to work alongside you so you don't go into the same issue again and again. He wants to show you. He wants to train you. This is what a good daddy does. Right? We're all on the same page here. Okay. Um, is this, did we go to the next verse? Yeah. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you, but when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown to be burned in the fire. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, notice this, then ask whatever... Whose desire? Your desire. Well, how can he say that? Because I'm in life union with him. When I'm closely connected to him, the Lord goes, oh yeah, we're intimately joined. You can say whatever you desire and look what happens. It will be done. This is, who's speaking? Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. Then he goes on in verse 8, he says, when your lives uh, bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my father. Now we're talking about growing up here a little bit. Right? There comes a point when we, we enjoy and we, I mean, even with our little daughter, our, our London's going to be one this week. Man, you're crazy. But, you know, all this time, I mean, there's been times where she's only had breast milk. And then you kind of move around and she's got, you know, these squashed, you know, applesauce. And you just, you know, feed her some applesauce. Right? Well, there comes a time, yeah, we've, we've heard, you know, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And that's so good and that's so wonderful. We get rooted in that. But there comes a point now where we've got to move on to the next phase and we've got to start listening to what he says. Rather than just being fed applesauce all the time, we got to move to the next level so that whatever he asks us to do, I'm ready to do it. Now we're moving on to peas, right? And I remember, well, yeah, no, stay, but we got to move forward. I gave London peas in case you didn't like them. Spit them out. And what do you do? You keep forcing them in there. You keep forcing them in there. You keep forcing it in there. And eventually, guess what? Peas are down. This is what happens. It starts to grow in us. Listen, the Lord, I mean, when we sing about you've been so good to me, I am so thankful that the Lord is so merciful in my stubbornness, in my own will, in my own uh, me, trying to make something happen. He still works with me. 
I'm so grateful that he hasn't given up on me. That he's willing to work with me regardless of the mistakes I've had, but also sometimes of my hard-headedness. He's willing to work. So I'm willing to yield to him. But this is how we prove that we are his disciples. Now, this is the way the Lord shared it to me. Again, John 15, 7, he said this, If my words live vitally, powerfully in you, let them grab a hold of you. Let his words grab a hold of you. So that whenever you're walking, the word is just talking to you all the time. How do you know that the word of God is living in you? It starts to talk to you. Because did you know that this, this isn't just a book? This is a living, powerful book that it actually starts talking to you. Anybody all of a sudden the word talk to you? Woo! 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 What do we call that? I mean, the, the Bible's got two different. When you see the word, if my words, there's two different Greek words for the word God's word. There's rhema and logos. Right? You've, some of you heard that before. Now the word rhema, what is a rhema? Anybody know? It is a spoken word by God that hits you on the inside. It's a live word that hits you. What do you have on your lap right now is the, the logos. A famine of the logos word of God in your life is a famine of rhema words in your life. If there's no logos in your life, there is no time for rhema. So what do we got to do? We got to get back to the simple basics of getting back into our Logos word. Get back into our Bibles. Because listen, these rhema words, anybody ever received a rhema word where God spoke to you on the inside? Yes. What does it do? Faith is there the moment that he says it to you. Okay, I believe you for that. A lot of people are just, you know, throwing things. This, I think this is what God said. What has he told you? How do I know what he said to me? It's because I'm spending time in this book. I mean, for my own personal self, how do I know what my personal calling is? Did it just come from somewhere out there? No, it came when I was spending time in this word. I was reading it, reading it, reading it, spending time in the New Testament. All of a sudden, a verse caught my attention. So this is what I've asked you to do. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is mine. And guess what? I own it. It belongs to me. Nobody can take it away from me. And so now everything that I do, every time I have an opportunity to speak, regardless of where it is, it comes out of me, the calling that the Lord's put on my heart to do. This is what I do. So how do you get these rhema words? Is by spending time in the Logos word. Spend some time in this book. It'll change your life. It's really good. Okay. And the second part of it. What does a life union with Jesus look like? Number one is that his word has a hold of me. It's inside of me to live. It's inside of me to speak to me. It's to change me, to operate in me. The second now is, is to be filled with the spirit. We've got to get back to some of these basics. You know, in all my times that I've had opportunity working with, you know, students for a while, working with people over the years, one of the major questions that come up is, what does God have in store for my life? People ask that questions. 13-year-old to 65-year-old. They're all asking a lot of the same questions. In asking that question, we forgot to be doers of what the Word told us to do. And let me prove that to you. In Ephesians chapter 5, we have to be filled with the Spirit. Everybody say that with me. Filled with the Spirit. So the Word's got to live in me. That's great. But now i got to be filled with the Spirit continually. And he says this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 in the Amplified. He says, Therefore, see that you walk carefully. Now I want you to see this for a sec. Living life with honor, purpose, and courage shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent, and discerning people. So he's telling you and I to live wise, right? 
He said, make the most, very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but, everybody say but. So we don't have to live foolish and thoughtless, but he said, understand and firmly grasp what the Lord wants you to do or what the will of the Lord is. The New Living says what the Lord wants you to do. Is it possible that I can firmly grasp what the Lord wants me to do? Is that possible? You need to answer it for yourself. I don't know, this is a question I'm literally asking you. Is it possible for you to firmly grasp what the Lord wants you to do in 2019? Okay, six people answered that. On the inside of you, can the Lord, can you know without a shadow of a doubt what the Lord wants you to do in 2019? Yes. Yes. Okay, how? Therefore, he says, do not get drunk with wine because that is wickedness, corruption, and it's just stupid. <laughs> I like how he says it. So what does he say? But be filled with the Holy Spirit constantly What? Guided by him. Can you see this is the will of God for your life? To be constantly guided. Oh, but what about this little decision? What school are my kids going to go to? Constantly guided by him. Yeah. Every little small detail of your life. Yeah. This is one thing that I've learned from Jamie in my time you know, being married with her. But this girl, she spends so much time being open to the spirit of God when shopping for our kids. And people may think that's kind of funny. I, th listen, our son Jace, for his, for his fifth birthday this past year, he wanted a certain toy. I mean, we looked all over the place. I mean, Jamie looked at these toy stores. I was checking online, and it was just a big Mario, right? One of these Yahoo big thingies, right? So we did all the research, did all that study. Man, couldn't, couldn't find it. Jamie goes to Walmart, right, and just to go in the toy section to check it out. And I mean, they got the little cute little dinky Walmart, little Marios walking around. And they got a few like this and a few like this. And then all of a sudden, she was, you're about to leave, right? And all of a sudden, she's, they said, go down, which aisle was that? Was that a, bedding just a bedding aisle? Go down the bedding aisle. Okay, so she, just willingly, okay, Lord, put my, but it's bedding. <laughs> Mario doesn't live in the bed realm. He lives in the toy realm. Just following it? What happened? She found a huge Mario. Do they have many of them there? No, there's, oh, how did that get there? The Lord knows these things. But when you start to walk with him, you start to detect his voice. He, will, he wants to constantly guide you. She came home. Guess what I found at Walmart? A bunch of people wearing sweatpants. What else? <laughs> yes, I found that. And also a guy in a bed sheet. Plus, I found a huge Mario. Of course you did. You would just start expecting these things. Why? Because she's not being drunk with wine. <laughs> You just can't find Mario. Ugh. Where's Mario? Ugh. Right? This is what people are doing. And they're lost and they're confused. And so what do they do? Because they cannot firmly grasp what the Lord wants. I'm talking Christians now. They can't grasp what the Lord wants them to do. What do they do? They go to the bottle. Absolutely. I've seen it. I've heard it talk many times. I've seen it. It's a sad thing. Why? Because they can't figure this out. So he said, don't do all that because it's stupid. So get filled with the Spirit so you don't have to live stupid. Isn't that good news? You don't have to live stupid anymore. I lived stupid. I get stupid. I don't want to be stupid. Anybody want to be stupid? Show of hands. Anybody want to be stupid? Then there is no, I cannot help you anymore. 
So then he goes on to say, okay, if I'm not to be drunk with wine because it's because I'm not going to be drunk with wine because it's listen, I know we're saying this, but listen, I have gone to leadership conferences where they talk about drinking after a service and it breaks my heart because that is not what the church is all about. Just a big community hall where we can come and just get drunk. No, it says get filled with the spirit. This is not what we do here at this church. We don't come and just, you know, start chugging and getting drunk. And, oh, man, did you have a good time last night? Yeah. And what did it come out of it? You're stupid. You're sick the next morning and you still is stupid. And not, let me define stupid for you. According to what the Bible is, it's not understanding what the Lord wants me to do. Doesn't mean you're just stupid. No, stupidity, according scripturally speaking. Now, I can say this because it's scripture. Stupidity is when you don't know what the Lord wants you to do. The Lord calls that stupid. Or in the Proverbs, he calls it foolish. It's foolish to not know what he wants you to do because he put himself on the inside of you. When you get to heaven, you can't say, Lord, I, why didn't you speak to me? I, I didn't know what anything is what you wanted me to do. I gave you my spirit. What, what were you filled up with? With wine? Because that's stupid. But he says, now be filled with the spirit. How? Now notice this next verse. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise by singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God. How do I get filled with the Spirit? I can literally talk to the Lord from my heart all day long. What does that mean? When I'm playing with my kids, Lord, I worship you. Lord, I'm so grateful that you're in my life. I'm living, it's a relationship. Jamie, throughout the day, when I'm at work and she's with all the kids, her job's really the more crazy one. She's with all these kids. What do we do? We stay in touch. Right? Sometimes she'll give me a call and says, hey, what's going on? What are we doing? We're just keeping in touch. Hey, what's going on? And every once in a while, I get a little text. A little kiss emoji. I'm like, oh, what's up, girl? How you doing? And what are we doing? We're just staying in touch. Husbands, wives, is that not what you do? Right? You just stay in touch. Then I just send a text. Give a quick call. Well, this is what the Lord is looking for. He that is joined to the Lord is now one spirit with him. You are intimately connected to him. So what does he want? Stay in touch. Get connected to him. Right? When you're spending time with the Lord, be there with him. When I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids. But when my kids have to go to the potty again, what do I do? I can just take a moment to say, Lord, I want to thank you that you're in me. What is, what's going on? How, how, how are things going? Is there anything that I need to see? Anything that I need to, I need to know? I'm just staying in touch. And the more that you do that, the more practice. And listen, it's going to be a little bit of a, oh, got to keep. It's going to take a little bit of effort at first. But when you get so focused in doing that, you start to live being constantly guided by him. All of a sudden, you find Mario in bedding. Aisle 16 with all the other bedsheet dressers. Like, there, he's there. But this is what the Lord desires of you and I. And it's not him that is silent. We're just not in position to hear. So I want to get in life union with him this year is I want to be in sync. His word is going to live on the inside of me so that it can talk to me. And then secondly, I'm going to live filled with the spirit. What am I going to do? I'm going to just start singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What is a song? Does anyone know what a song is? Songs that we just sang earlier? Could we sing one of those songs maybe? Right? You could even just sing, you've been so, so good to me. And just start singing that in your heart. What's a spiritual song? You can, it's one that you kind of just make up. Man, I got a lot of made up songs. And they're all in tunes with kids songs, but like... <laughs> yeah. This is the way we serve the Lord, serve the Lord, serve. And yeah, you just do different things. And you know what? You can even sing in other tongues to him. What are you doing when you're spending time speaking in other tongues? The Bible says you start to edify yourself. 
We got to get bigger on the inside. Listen, he's there. But how do I get edified? Is by spending time praying in other tongues. Huh, right? Let's all stand up for a moment.